the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. You know, one of the reasons that many scholars have concluded that the Bible is the Word of God is because there are things in the Bible that man simply wouldn't have written. If this were simply a human book and, and man was, you know, as, as skeptics say, the Old Testament is, you know, Jewish nationalism, and uh, if man were concocting the Bible, I don't think the story of Hosea would be in there. You know, uh, God calling one of his prophets to take an adulterous wife, but there's a reason for that. And, uh, you know, one of the most famous verses in Hosea is Hosea 4.6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so today, Bert Harper and I are going to continue looking at prophets, kings, and kingdoms, and we will take a look at what is called one of the minor prophets of the Old Testament, Hosea. And Bert, um, I'm loving our look through the Old Testament and just so many truths that we're gleaning from these portions of God's Word. It's good, isn't it? It is good. And what we're doing, we're looking at the man and then part of the book. We can't do it all. But I would say in Hosea, you're looking at one of the most interesting Bible characters. I would say he is possibly the most loving prophet. That does Mm -hmm. not exclude righteousness and holiness. When you look at Hosea and how he combined love and judgment, love and holiness, I I don't think you could get any better than Hosea. And Mm -hmm. his message is to the northern kingdom. Uh, That would be, uh, you know, the, the northern kingdom, Israel. And he is, I would say, he was contemporaries with Amos. Amos mm-hmm. was a a judge or excuse me a prophet to the northern kingdom while uh Isaiah and uh was was to the southern kingdom and and so and, and they would have been contemporaries by the way they sure would and when you look at the list of the kings who he it's funny although he's preaching and prophesying to the northern kingdom the kings that he says he served uh during the period of time, four of them are in the southern kingdom and only mm-hmm. one in the northern kingdom. I think right. that's kind of a desecration to the northern kings. There was no good kings. And uh, right. and during that period of time, this is the last part of the northern king's existence. Assyria was right on the edge of coming in and taking them captive, not captive, but destroying them and doing away with the northern kingdom far as what we could see. God knows, but we could not see. And Alex, one more thing. I read one of the commentaries. It says it's like uh, a water going down a drain pipe and, and Hosea's prophesying during the last two swirls right before it goes down the drain. I thought that was a pretty picturesque commentary. Yeah, that's pretty pretty vivid word picture. And, you know, talk about um, powerful, you know, really just powerhouse men of God. Um, Hosea would have lived during the same time of not only Isaiah, but also Amos. And, uh, my goodness, very um, unforgettable biblical figures and biblical books. And, and you're right, there, there is a lot of crossover. 
in the northern and southern kingdoms. Okay, it's interesting. Uh, Amos, you know, hard preacher, just lay the cards on the table. Uh, uh, Amos and Hosea both prophesied to the northern kingdom, but Amos had, if I'm correct on this, was born in the southern kingdom, and Hosea was a native to the northern kingdom. Uh, Hosea, it's believed, was a little bit younger than Amos, but um, it's been said that Hosea's book is hard to outline, but basically um, we've got prophecies of of destruction and judgment on sin. Um, Then we've got what's interesting by the end of um, chapter 1, his marriage to Gomer and why. Now, it's interesting. Uh, Gomer was adulterous. Gomer runs off of another man, just like Israel runs after other gods. So, now this is hard. I mean, in ministry, I mean, talk about something very hard, that Gomer commits physical adultery. This was very illustrative of the fact that Israel committed spiritual uh, adultery. And um, even their kids, they they name their children um, signs of, of the judgment of God, really, don't they? They do. And and while you're going over that, uh, chapter, you're talking about the outline, chapter 1 shows you the adultery of Gomer. That's in chapter 1. In chapters 4 through 7, it shows you the sin of Israel. I mean, mm-hmm. they compare. And then in chapter 2, is the degradation of Gomer going further and further and finding really, and that kind of corresponds with chapters 8, 9, and 10, which shows the judgment that Israel is under. And then finally in chapter 3 is the redemption of Gomer where Hosea goes and buys her off of the slave Mm. market. I mean, you know, it was true redemption. I mean, you know what I mean? I I was going to say that is such a picture of the redemption how Christ had to purchase us. Exactly. We were on, on the slave market of sin and judgment and guilt, bound, hopeless, helpless, and yet with the most precious commodity in the universe, his own blood, the Lord Jesus bought us back out of bondage. Alex, can you think of someone else that married a harlot? Uh, yeah, um, Jeremiah, right. Well, Sol- uh, um, Solomon who Solomon. would well, marry yeah. Rahab. And, well, and, that's true. You know, yeah, I forgot about that. That is right. I I, I read that. I, I hadn't thought about it either, but I was reading, and I said, man, I just got to mention that, and that would produce the the great bloodline of David, I mean, yes. from Rahab. And so we, we have God here, you know. Now, no priest was to marry a, a prostitute or an adulterer, but here it is a picture, you know. Some of the prophets, they had preached and preached, and their message wasn't getting through, so they lived it out. I mean, like Isaiah walking around in, you know, night clothes or whatever, ragged clothes, and uh, we've uh, Ezekiel cutting his hair in a, you know, different things. Different prophets did different things to try to get the people to listen because they weren't hearing the words and here Hosea, God tells him to marry Gomer, and and then it sh- it's a picture of it. And let's talk about the three children. I know that Jezreel is a boy, Lo-Ramai, mm-hmm. however you might say it, is a girl, and then Lo-Amai is another son. And mm-hmm. again, that one, the last and not my people, 
I think it's mm-hmm. pretty sure that probably wasn't even his child. There's questions about the second one because exactly. it, it's only one time that it says that this is my son or his son or his child. The other two, it just says she gave birth to. But when you name a child, not my people, I know it's illustrative of, of the judgment and uh, what's going to happen. But, Alex, it's possibility that wasn't even his child. I know, I know. Isn't that something? And you know what I was thinking about? Um, you know, in Hosea 1, 2, and 3, this is amazing that the Lord spoke to Hosea. The Lord said to Hosea, Go take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing for the Lord from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Deblame, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, and she conceived and bore him a son, Hosea. One, two, and three. So, recurring throughout this is the theme of spiritual adultery. And, you know, just as God had called Israel to himself, you know, through whom would come the Savior, God has called the church to himself. And, hey, I want to say this, you know, when the church is not preaching the gospel, and in fact is preaching a false gospel, and when the church is complicit with just heinously false teachings, like gay marriage or, uh, you know, any, you know, fill in the blank of your choice. Bert, it is possible, even though Israel is Israel, um, I think the church, uh, the called-out assembly of God's people, today sometimes commits spiritual adultery. Would you agree? I agree. Now, Alex, let's take that and make sure we get it. This uh, Israel, uh, Judah, the, the nation, was called as representatives of God. They were to be a light to the Gentiles. And when they forsook that and followed other gods, they were leaving their purpose. When the church, God's people, has been called to preach the gospel and the whole counsel of God, and they depart from that, they fall under that judgment. So, Alex, your illustration or parallel of these two is not off base, you know, it's uh, we've got a job to do as followers of Jesus Christ. We have a job to do to know Jesus and make him known. That simply means we share the truth of God and the difference he makes in our lives. And we also have a prophetic voice. That prophetic voice speaks and teaches righteousness. And I tell all the time, listen, I don't say uh, preachers ought to be out of politics, but when it comes to life, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to uh, who you are as God has made you male and female, and the government or politics enters into that, they've entered into our territory, Alex. We yeah. dare not be we dare not be quiet. We better speak out, brother. Well, yeah, and you know, hence the verse that I mentioned earlier in the show, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Hosea 4, 6, because you have rejected knowledge, I also reject you as my priest. Because you have ignored the law of your God, I also will ignore your children. There's a connection between standing for truth, proclaiming truth, equipping people with truth, and the outcome of the children, the next generation. Because seriously, part of our job in every era is to pass the faith on to the next generation and to pass on truth. And so um, spiritual adultery comes about when there's an absence of truth and, you know, willful 
disobedience. Now, it's interesting. I mean, there is, by the chapters 11 through 14, there's uh, the um, love and the grace of God, and there's, there's always, goodness, within God, there's always an opportunity for restoration and, and even a call to it. By the time we get to chapter 14, and I'm getting ahead of myself, we'll, we'll pick up some of the latter part of this book uh, after the break, I'm sure. But you know what? There's not only the offer of forgiveness, frankly, there's a call to it. You know, the Bible says of Jesus, God commends people everywhere now to repent. Uh, isn't it something that salvation is offered and really, salvation is urged, isn't it? It is, Alex. And you were talking about the lack of knowledge uh, at chapter 4, verse 6. Chapter 4, verse 1 makes that transition to what you were talking about from, I would say, Hosea's testimony to chapter 4, his sermons. Listen to chapter 4, verse 1 that you read before you get to verse 6. It says, Hear the word of the Lord, you children of Israel. For the Lord brings a charge against you. That's pretty serious. To the inhabitants of the land, listen to what it is. There is no truth or mercy or knowledge of God in the land. Now listen to those three. Truth, mercy, knowledge. Alex, those are great, great uh, places to stand. There is no truth. And you're just talking about what the church can do by not teaching truth. No mercy. No, we're, we're to have mercy. God demonstrate his mercy upon us, his love upon us. We are to share the truth that God forgives. And the knowledge of God, we're to make him known. So chapter mm-hmm. 4, it introduces the rest of the message that he gets to. And like you said, when you get to the end, there is that restoration and that hope that only comes through knowing God through Jesus Christ. Hey, Alex, and I'll be back with more of the book of Hosea right after the break. Appreciate you listening as we share from the book of Hosea. This is Pause to Pray, a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Jennifer Godfrey, Undersecretary of State for Public Diplomacy and Public Affairs. She oversees educational and cultural affairs, public affairs, and international information programs. Proverbs 15.1 reminds us of the importance of diplomacy. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, We ask for guidance for Jennifer Godfrey in her diplomatic efforts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Somewhere along the way, personal opinion morphed into personal truth. But Dr. Tony Evans says there can only be one standard of truth that's really true. We'll hear more about it as we spend two minutes with Tony. People make up their own rules. You see? You know, they they walk around saying, I know my truth. No, it's either truth or it's not truth. One and one equals two. I don't care how long you've been raised to believe one and one equals three. One and one will always be two. So when it comes to studying math, you have to adjust your mathematical formula to the stated axiom of what one and one equals. 
But we want to adjust truth. We want to make truth relevant. It's okay to be relevant as long as you're not changing truth. And truth is whatever God says on any subject about what he speaks. That's truth. So if God says it, that is the word about it. Science just has to catch up. Postmodernism, which is the core of today, simply says there are no absolute truths. You just make it up as you go along. So marriage is what you say it is. How you were born is not who you are. And we have members in churches who go around and say, well, I don't think it's all that bad. No, no, we're not talking about what you think. We're talking about what God says. Come on, what God says. Check out the latest edition of our half-hour daily program and sign up for Dr. Evans' free weekly email devotional when you visit TonyEvans.org. And be sure to join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow weak or discouraged before he has established justice on the earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. Isaiah 42, 3 and 4. American Family Radio. Word of God speak. Welcome back. You're listening to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. I'm finding myself in the midst of you. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex, we're going through the book of Hosea. Now, what we're doing, this is a series of prophets, kings, and kingdoms. And uh, we were trying to think about how can we do all the minor prophets, but we're going to try to do them all one day, uh, Hosea. So we'll see what we can get done. It's kind of a bird's eye view, but we're looking at the individual and then the book itself and seeing what we can do. And Hosea is kind of hard to do that, but we're trying. Alex was talking about chapter four, and it is a transitional chapter. Uh, it, it leaves, again, Hosea and the narrative he has concerning his family life, and it is illustrative of, of Israel and, and God. Chapter four has so many verses in it, and I just want to look at verse 11. And it's just mm. real quick, but it is powerful. Harlotry, wine, and new wine enslave the heart. Now, I, it's just there by itself, kind of, uh, you That's know. That's powerful. But it's powerful, and it shows the the whole idea of enslavement to someone. If, if you're not a child of God, uh, you're a setting target. And as a child of God, you've got to... to Pull away. You do not be associated with uh, those things that would cause you to go into addictive sin, into habitual sin. But I, again, I'm not wanting necessarily to spend the rest of the time on that. But it just stuck out mm-hmm. to me that one verse there. It's in, in the way my Bible's laid out. It's kind of got a separation from verse 10 and a separation from verse 12, and so it yeah. just sticks out, man. <laughs> well, and, you know, words mean so much, and the word there, enslave, um, harlotry, wine, and new wine enslave the heart. The, the word there for enslave means to seize or take away, mm. to take away. And you know what? Um, you don't want your heart taken away 
uh, but you know we could we could preach on that um i did mention hosea 4 6 about my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge the word destroy there means cease isn't that something yes. my people cease or really literally cease to exist for lack of knowledge and you know here in america i mean everybody's talking about um people aren't coming to church again after covid and young people r- fall away and it is so imperative with all of our doing to make disciples. And so there's not a lack of knowledge. We fill their hearts and souls with the, the gospel. Well, what Alex, be, yeah. look at that line right after that. They have rejected knowledge. The knowledge yeah. that they receive, they reject. Therefore, they're destroying themselves. In other words, yeah. because they will not receive this knowledge, this truth, that I'm going to say it. I, I think they're kind of making a willful choice you remember when Mm -hmm. jesus is on the cross he said father forgive them they don't know what they do he said that but when stephen was being stoned he didn't say all of that phrase he just said father forgive them he didn't put they don't know what they do i I honestly believe when they were stoning stephen they knew what they were doing because jesus had already been crucified and risen hadn't he yeah and Verse 12 of Hosea 4, my people ask counsel at their stocks. It really means wooden idols is what that means. So they're seeking wisdom and direction from wooden idols, and their staff declares unto them, for the spirit of whoredoms, that's the word, hath caused them to err, and they have gone a-whoring from under their God. Can you imagine? These are the people of the true and living God and exercising things like divination and trying to, you know, whether it's, you know, wisdom or favor or fortune telling, you know, that one of the very first commandments, you know, do not have any other gods before me and don't be idolaters. And it goes on, it talks about sacrificing to false gods on tops of the mountains and things like that. Um, Words like whoredom and harlotry, I mean, this is kind of hard talk. We don't really talk like this, but yet it it is in the the Word of God in verse 16, it talks about backsliding, and that's about as polite a word as could be used for the spiritual state of, of Israel at that time. It is. I, this I did not count, so this is from a commentary. Two or three of them, matter of fact, there's 150 statements of sin in the book of Hosea, and Goodness. more than half of them deal with idolatry, okay? That's mm. what you're referring to. they dealing with this. And look at verse 17. This is one of the, as I said, chapter 4. If anybody wants to preach and preach strong sermons that talk about God's love and and the ability for man to reject that love, chapter 4 of Hosea, you could spend some time there. Look at verse 17. Ephraim, which is the largest tribe of the northern kingdom Israel, and sometimes Hosea calls them Ephraim in place of Israel, but it's the whole, it is the whole country. Ephraim is joined to idols. Now, listen, let him alone. Alex, mm. uh, you know, that really got my attention. Yeah, they're going their way. Let them go. Is that what it's kind of referring to? The largest tribe in the northern kingdom, uh, Ephraim. I mean, this would be like, um, you know, if you spoke of Washington, D.C. in a collective to mean the whole nation, you know, mm-hmm. uh something like that, That's but let him alone really, really means that they're, they are so completely given over to idolatry 
and the things that might go with it beyond recall. All you can do is just let them go. And, uh, you know, the, the book of Romans in the New Testament talks about a reprobate mind, um, unable to tell right from wrong any further. Um, you don't want to be to the point where, you know, the Bible says God gave them up or God, God let them go. That's why we always say this, never resist the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you feel God nudging you and calling you back to himself, or when you feel under conviction, Bert, I, my opinion is the, the very minute you feel conviction about something, you need to call out to the Lord and turn from it, because you don't want God to ever say, let him go. Amen. With that in mind, look at chapter 5, verse 6, Alex. With their flocks and herds, now listen, yeah. they shall go to seek the Lord, but they will not find him. Mm. He has withdrawn himself from them. Uh, again, that parallels what it said. Ephraim has joined idols, let him alone. Again, God resists the proud. They're proud of what they're doing. They, at this point in time, according to what I read, uh, materialism, and they're doing good financially. Okay, yeah, they're yeah. they're doing all right that way. They're not suffering. Uh, most of the people that are running their lives, they they got it better than they had had it in the last quote administration, and so <laughs> they they're doing good. But God has withdrawn from them, and and notice, there's one more thing I want to say, and I want to turn it back to you. There's about three or four things I wrote down. I said I got to get in today. You know, I'm always repeated looking for repeated words or repeated phrases. Mm -hmm. The word return, and look at it, I think chapter 5, verse 15 may be the most significant place. I will return again to my place. The word return itself is used 22 times in Hosea. And in chapter 6, verse 1, there's another one. Let me share it with you. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn, but he will heal us. He has stricken, mm -hmm. but he will bind us up. Even in this last ditch preaching that Hosea is is sharing, he has said, "Come, return to the Lord." Now, what they want to do, they want to return to the Lord in their own terms. You know, have yeah. you heard people like that? You know, I I'll trust God if I'll if if I'll do this, if He'll do this. Uh, they're they're still putting strings to what their religious practices are, aren't they? Well, they they really are. It's interesting in five seven and six seven, two places, Hosea five seven and Hosea six seven, says that they have dealt treacherously against God, and the word treacherously really means betrayal. It's like you know backstabbing somebody. Can you? Well, I think about the United States, and I love this country, but I think about in, a, in the 19th century when President Abraham Lincoln said, we have been blessed as no other nation has ever been blessed, yet we have forgotten God. You remember in the Thanksgiving prayer of Lincoln? Um, it's true, and yet I, I would say our nation has dealt treacherously with God. Can't post the Ten Commandments in public. Um, can't tell school children about the truth of morality and gender um, can't mention the name of Jesus God has showered blessings on us and I think it could be said uh, accurately that we have dealt treacherously or we've betrayed God just like 
it says that they have done. And so it goes on, and it says in verse 1 of chapter 7, when I would have healed Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered, and the wickedness of Samaria, for they commit falsehood. The thief comes in, and the troop of robbers spoils without. You know, Bert, I'm kind of going fast, but talks about how some of the judgment of God was through their prophets. In other words, God allowed them to have some false prophets, some um, preachers that really didn't preach truth. And um, I don't know. Uh, Look at verse 4 of 7. They are all adulterers, as an oven heated by the baker, who ceases from raising after he has kneaded the dough until it be leavened. There's an image here of of, of an oven heated up and there's nothing put in to cook and the oven is too hot and um, burns itself up well these people are burned up with sin and lust and uh, they don't know that God knows all of their ways their ways are not hidden from God whether they realize it or not God sees he does and while you're there he's like a like a oven heated there's yeah. about four or five of these that Hosea uses that Israel is like. I just want to run them by you real quick. Chapter 6, verse 4, it says they're like an early dew. It goes away. In other words, they they didn't ha- it didn't last long. And then as chapter uh, 6 uh, or 7, 4, like an oven heated by a baker. And then look down, if you would, in verse 11 of chapter 7. They're like a silly dove. They don't know which way to go. And then, very picturesque, is verse 16. They return, but not to the Most High. They're like a deceitful bow. It looks good, but the string is not taut. It's not tight. And if you try to put an arrow into that bow, it goes nowhere. It doesn't hit its target. It's not powerful. And so this, these are, uh, Hosea uses this imagery to let them see how, how they're going astray. They're not living up to their potential. They're not lasting. They're gone like the morning dew. They're like an oven baked uh, by baker. It's too hot or too cold. It doesn't do it. It heats it only on one side. So, Alex, again, Hosea uses this imagery to let them know. One more, and I'll turn it back to you. In chapter 8, another great statement, verse 7. Here's what they do. They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. That's a pretty... Mm. Uh, Another would, yeah, famous, it is. famous verse, isn't it? It is. Well, in Hosea 11, verse 12, it says, Ephraim has surrounded me with lies, the house of Israel with deceit. And Judah is unruly against God, even against the faithful Holy One. But you know what? In spite of that, in spite of that, God is going to show mercy. And he's talking about how he drew them back to himself. The people were bent towards backsliding. And, hey, you know, there's so much we could say. By the way, um, speaking about their sin in Hosea 12, 2, the Lord has also a controversy with Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways, according to his doings. He will recompense him. One thing about Hosea, the words are so powerful and picturesque. Um, God having a controversy with Judah. Uh that's, that's kind of like sin, because God says this, and we do that. God says right, but we do wrong. When we're in sin and we're resisting God, uh, it is contrary. And let me say, it's one thing to 
be sideways with another human being, you don't want to have a controversy with God. <laughs> well said. <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, yeah. look, um, you know, uh, who loses? Wrong, who loses? <laughs> yeah, it's just con- yeah. it's not gonna not gonna work out. I mean, be 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 wrong with anybody, but be right with God. The last part of chapter eleven, we are coming close to the end, and we're trying to get this in. Uh, verse nine says, "I am God and not man." Just remember that God Amen. is God. He's the Holy One. Chapter 12, again, you said it well, uh, introduces that charge. Verse 6 says, So you, by the help of your God, return. Observe mercy and justice. Wait on your God continually. In other words, you remember God desires obedience more than uh, burnt offerings. You know? Yeah, more than sacrifice. And, and so the whole idea here is, is, is them coming back to God, and he desires them and wants them. And, and Alex, let me say, in chapters 13 and 14, we talked about getting there. Let me re- read chapter 14, verse 1, and then you make sure you return and do what share with your last thoughts. Notice how many times the word return is used in chapter 14. O Israel, return to the Lord your God. For you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Alex, Amen. that's Amen. what our message is. We want people to turn to the Lord, don't we? Asher shall not save us. Horses will not save us. Idols won't. God says, look, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely. For mine anger is turned away. And he promises blessing. Now listen to this, folks. Who is wise? And he shall understand these things. The prudent, he shall know them, for the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them, but the transgressors shall fall therein. Look, let's be wise, let's be prudent, let's show that we have knowledge. Let's turn to God, and let's call on him right now. Folks, you're listening to Exploring the Word. When we get back, we're going to take calls and questions. The number, 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Your Bible questions. Call us, and we'll get to you right after this break. One of the most controversial topics in Christianity today is homosexuality. The Bible is clear about it, but the world has been relentless in its attempts to shift our views, and that's caused confusion and increased pressure to bow to the culture. In his Engage Magazine article, Homosexuality Comes to the Church, Standing Firm in a Culture that Embraces Chaos, M.D. Perkins gives scripture to dispel the lies of the world. Sign up for your complimentary copy today at EngageMagazine.net. Hello, I'm Don Hawkins, here to tell you about Encouragement Live, 55 minutes of industrial strength radio encouragement featuring resourceful guests, plus practical biblical insights to help you face life's challenges. We'll be taking your phone calls, so plan to join us for Encouragement Live, Saturdays at 7.05 p.m. Central, 8.05 p.m. Eastern, here on American Family Radio. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Forty days of twice-daily taunting from Goliath sent Saul and the Israelite army reeling in fear. But David's passion for Yahweh conviction, and full persuasion stirred King Saul. When people are on fire for God, it often provokes others to glob on to that fire. 
but we must be careful to resist the well-meaning overtures of the flameless bystanders. Saul meant well, but his armor couldn't help. It would only slow David down. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Luke 7, verse 30 says this, The Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the purpose of God for themselves. What if you're out of gas and you pull into the filling station and they say, Hey, we're out of gas, but we got water. You want to fill up with water? Well, no. Well, it's really great, fizzy, fruit-flavored water. No. It's the best water in this world from an artesian well in Fiji. No. A gasoline engine cannot fulfill its purpose by any other fuel but gasoline. C.S. Lewis once said that just as a car is made to run on gas, God designed you to run on Himself. Your life's real purpose cannot be fueled by anything other than God. So embrace God's purpose for your life and put the right fuel in the tank. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 8.30 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Alex and Bert here, and we're going to go to your calls and Bible questions. I do want to remind everybody about our brand new book. It's just been out a couple of weeks, 100 Bible Questions and Answers. And I know, Bert, um, it was our privilege to share a lot of those books with people during share and uh, it's in the AFA store, I think, but it was published by Broad Street. Bert and I, a year ago this time, we were working on it, but 100 Bible questions and answers. And Bert, since Sherathon, I've been out on the road traveling and preaching. I was just in Kingsport, Tennessee at Gravelly Baptist, and people seem to like this book, and we give God the praise for that. I have gotten the same response, and again, we're excited about it, and we're praising God that He would allow us to do that. And it's because of you. We, you know, sometimes you have a dedication, you know, at the front page. We yeah. could have shared it with all the listeners that listen to Exploring the Word because we would not have had those 100 questions if it were not for you. Speaking of questions, Alex, guess what? We got people that are calling in, but we've got lines that are open, by the way, and that number, 888-589-8840. Uh, we've got lines that are open, so we think we can get you in. We'll answer as quickly and as thoroughly as we can. And the mm. first place we're going to is Audra in Tennessee. Audra, welcome. Oh, thank you. Uh, thank you for taking my call. I listen to you all quite often. I've been listening all week. So um, I have a million questions, so I'm going to try to uh, bring this down to one. That's the name um, of our next book, uh, Audra. A million questions. No, go ahead. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm joking, everybody. Go ahead, Audra. That scares me. Okay. 
so I recently, within the past couple of weeks, denounced my membership in a sorority that I have been a part of for the past 21 years. And so when I did that, a couple of the ladies uh, said to me, well, Audra, we have ministers and preachers who are a part of this organization. How come they don't know what you're saying? Why? How are they a part of this? If if we consider this, if you were saying this is devil worshiping, so I didn't have an answer. I don't. I don't. I didn't have and, an answer. Uh, let me ask you um, something um, specifically. What led you to um, leave your sorority? Um, I had a fiftieth birthday party, a huge party, mm-hmm. and. One of the things that we say in my sorority is AOML. Well, that means all of my love. I, there was a picture of myself when I was going through my pictures looking at myself, and I had that as the caption on Facebook, AOML. And something said to me, are you crazy? How can you give this organization all of your love when I have commanded you to give me all, give me all of your love? So from that, it has been a year and a half process, though, you know, just learning things and learn, learning the origins of this sorority and, you know, the goddess that we serve, the goddess of wisdom and knowledge. That's where we go to get our wisdom and knowledge. So just everything has just been open. My eyes have just been open from all of that. So with that, I have this, I just decided and I told the Lord, okay, I will go ahead and denounce. So I've done that, and, I, you know, of course, of course, a couple of people do not agree with me. They're saying that they can be a Christian and serve in this organization. They do not put this organization above God. Mm. That you know, we are not, God bless not you. devil worshiping. Audra, I, I just uh-huh. want to say you're a brave lady to do and make those stance. But I'd say this. Uh, you know, there are some things that that the Bible makes plain and it is Jesus Christ first. Do you remember the thing that came to my mind? I don't know if this is the same level or not. You know, when the Jews who were outside of, of you know, Jesus being the king of the Jews, they would say, we have no king but Caesar. Alex, uh, nothing else comes close to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I, uh, Aldra, I don't know uh, how those others feel. But for you to have that in mind, uh, you're making a great statement and a great testimony. Jesus is Lord. I admire you for it. Alex? God bless you, you know. And they might have said to you, well, you know, we have other ministers and Christians. Um, I'm only speaking kind of my initial reaction from that. Um, And I think this is powerful because I've been in similar situations. And I've said, look, I'm everybody is answerable to God. They they have to do what they think is right by the Lord. But me personally, all of my love and my highest loyalty belongs only to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I feel like I need to pull away, you might have said, because all of my love, my highest uh, allegiance belongs only to Jesus. But I think that is such a powerful stand she's taken. I'm just humbled speaking with you ma'am i am let me the only thing that even comes close for the believer is the wife and husband and children family and then the church brothers and sisters in christ to love them because the bible says that husbands are to love their wives the way christ loved the church and gave himself for it i don't know if you ever heard this illustration alex 
you heard of Harry Ironside, the great preacher of the past? Oh, in, indeed. Okay, someone came to him and said, Dr. Ironside, I'm afraid I love my wife too much. And Dr. Ironside just simply asked him, do you love your wife as much as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it? Well, no, I don't love her that much. And he said, well, you don't love her uh, too much then. And so, you know, but Jesus yeah. Christ, supreme. Amen. Aldra, uh, thank you. Keep listening. And uh, I appreciate this. And I wouldn't mind you calling back in a month or two to see what the reaction of some of your friends might be. If you'd do that, we'd appreciate it. Thank you so much. Uh, next, we want to go to Arkansas and talk to DB. DB, welcome. Hey, fellas, how y'all? Doing well. I, uh, I believe, according to the Bible, that we are, everyone is responsible for their own actions throughout life. But I heard a preacher here a while back, and he made the statement that uh, on Judgment Day, that we will be uh, judged according to how we were raised. If somebody was raised by an alcoholic or if parents were divorced growing up. And anyway, I just wondered what y'all thoughts were on that. Okay, in other words, and I, I'm going to do a little bit of uh, devil's advocate here. Okay, I have an excuse to act the way I did. Alex, you catch what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Uh, every, have you ever heard this? It's an old phrase, and it's not in the Bible, but it's an old phrase. Every tub's got to set on its own bottom. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we're all responsible to God, and we're going to give an account. Uh, but I would say this, DB, and I'll turn it over to Alex. We are responsible to respond to the light that has been given to us. The more light, the more responsibility. Alex, take it away. Well, and yeah, and we can't make excuses. We can't say, well, you know, I do this sinful thing because that's just how I was raised. I, we had, when I was a youth pastor, we had a, a girl in the youth group, and she, oh my goodness, she had a hair trigger temper, and she was, you know, disrupting. And, um, she said, that's just how we are. Uh, that's I, I've been around angry people, and I'm an angry person. And I mean, she was like 17, 18 years old. Now, we had a, an amazing event where she really came forward one night and gave her life to Jesus, and God changed her from having such an angry disposition. But just to say, well, that's how we are, that's how I was raised, whether it's unbelief or alcoholism or abuse or, or whatever— um, we have we are all accountable to God, and none of us can ever stand before the Lord and say, "Well, it was the fault of my circumstances or my upbringing." No, w we all have to realize that there must come a time when we realize that um, we we're obligated to turn to Christ and let Him be the Lord of our lives, not our upbringing or our circumstances. DB, I would suggest reading the first few, well, all the book of Romans, but pay close attention to the first few chapters and notice the word without excuse. Uh, there will be without excuse when we stand before him. Uh, just trust him, no matter. If you're listening today and uh, you're from a family where you were abused because of alcohol or whatever reason, listen, turn to Christ. He loves you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to help you. I pray that you would do that. Let's go to Oklahoma and talk to Terry. Terry, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad I got in. Um, I love listening to your program, and I love how clearly you explain the issues. And um, I am 
I we have local churches in our area that are preaching that homosexuality is not a sin. Can you please share some very specific verses and how you would present them to someone who's living that lifestyle? I don't want to argue. I don't want to disagree. I want to plant the seeds for the Holy Spirit to move. But I want to have some basis, um, biblical basis to stand on. Okay, Alex, uh, two come to my mind in the New Testament real quickly. Romans 1 and then uh, is it First or Second Corinthians six? Isn't it First Corinthians, First Corinthians chapter six? six. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but those are clear, and that one in First Corinthians six is so plain, Terry, that they're trying uh, to change it. It, far as the original, oh, it can't be changed. They, it says, and such were some of you, and it has homosexual in that list, and they're 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 trying to change that. To our search, some of you know it were. They've been yeah. delivered, hadn't they, Alex? Yeah, uh, a verb tense is critical there, and it's not our present tense. It's were, some of you. In the Old Testament, uh, Leviticus 18.22 and Leviticus 20.13 clear, unequivocally condemn all, homo- not some, all homosexual activity. And, of course, the, the gay activists will say, well, that's the Old Testament, and so I'll grant you uh, that's the Old Testament. So the New Testament is clear, though, and if you read um, Romans chapter 1, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 6, like you mentioned. But, Bert, let me also say, and this is before the giving of the law, but in Genesis 19, uh, Genesis 19, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, and then uh, in Jude uh, verse 7 in the New Testament, you know, read the, the single chapter book of Jude. It talks about the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah and the judgment of God that, that falls on that. But now in Romans, and it's funny, I preached on this at uh, Kingsport, Tennessee just this weekend. If you read Romans chapter 1, 18 through um, the following uh, and let me encourage you to read Romans, really Romans 1, 18 through 27. Goodness gracious. Talks about lesbianism, talks about male homosexual activity, and it says these, these acts are shameless and condemned by God. So there is no way you can legitimately use the Bible to try to support any homosexual activity. And... Um, the Bible is clear. By the way, Bert, I've got to say this, that when ministers stand before God that could have shared the truth, hard truth, difficult truth, but soul-saving truth, but not only withheld truth, but preach messages that would mislead people such that they would die and wind up in hell when they could have been saved, there's going to be severe judgment on the ministers that have twisted what the Word of God so clearly and powerfully said. Amen, Alex. Let me give you two more things. Uh, AFR, AFA, has produced a film in our studio, In His Image. And you can, Terry, you can watch that. You can take that to your friend, In His Image. Is it dot movie? In His Image? Yeah, dot movie. Dot movie. And you can watch that. It will bless you. It will help you. It is tremendous in its quality and its message. It's caring. It's loving. And uh, there's been a great response. The other thing that I'd say in the Bible, 
if you want to read what this kind of lifestyle leads to and it being accepted by a society, read the last three chapters of the book of Judges, chapters 19, 20, and 21. Now, I want to tell you, it's 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 not fun. It's not great. It is not horrible. for the faint of heart. It is not, but it demonstrates a society gone mad, accepting, uh, you know, sin as a way of life and desiring and promoting it. And then when bad happens, they try to correct that. And the correction is as hideous as, as the, you know, the, the sin itself. And, uh, yeah. they, it, it, it is true that way, isn't it, Alex, in those chapters? Well, well, it is, and I'm going to give you one more verse, everybody. And by the way, Bert and I talk about this in our book, 100 Bible Questions and Answers, which you can find at the AFA store. But 1 Timothy chapter 1, 8 through 10. 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 10, and it condemns the sexually immoral, and it's in one translation, men who practice homosexuality. Enslavers, liars, perjurers. Now, again, anybody can repent and believe and be born again. And if you let the Holy Spirit lead your life, you can be set free from sinful desires. But the the word there, and uh, we don't have time to completely unpack it, but the word for homosexuality, which much um, many pagans have tried to say it doesn't mean what it means, but it's a biblical term for all homosexual acts and they're all condemned nowhere. Nowhere does the Bible condone, just like, and I want to be fair, the Bible in no way ever legitimizes heterosexual promiscuity. So I, I think it's very helpful that incredibly beautiful film, In His Image. Please look into that movie, In His Image. Movie. I mean, it, it's been applauded by so many people. That, that movie is really a work of art and very, very biblically sound. It is. Alex, it's been good. Hey, by the way, read Joel. It's a very short book, but it is a powerful book. We're going to look at Joel tomorrow here on Exploring the Word. It's going to be exciting, and it is so great to have you join us today as we studied the book of Hosea and the life of Hosea, and I pray that you'll tell someone about Exploring the Word, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. 